This is the Constructionist Podcast, where we take ancient stories, the person of Jesus, current events and topics, and help you construct a new Christian worldview that's relevant and loving to those around you. I'm your host, Kevin Bates. I'm a semiotician and community builder, looking at the signs of the times to build a better future together. Good evening, everybody. You are tuned in to the Constructionist Podcast, and tonight we are continuing our eight-part series on the body, Constructing a New You. So tonight's topic is Habits and Toxic Behaviors, and we'll be discussing how our behaviors affect the body. So as the constructionists, we desire to be able to help each one of you be able to navigate your life with the framework of a worldview that is relevant and loving to people. And part of this is getting our own house in order, constructing a new you, hence that topic. And if you can't figure out how to love yourself and construct yourself, you really won't be able to Uh, love or help others very well. So I want to encourage you to listen to a couple of things. First, I want you to listen to the TED.com video this week, The Benefits of Not Being a Jerk to Yourself by Dan Harris. That's a very inspiring video. I want to encourage each listener to listen to that. It definitely has inspired some of the work that we've done here. Again, it's the benefits of not being a jerk to yourself. There's also another TED.com video that, I, that I'll make note of here later in the podcast that I want you to listen to as well. So in previous podcasts, we have made mention that when we deconstruct our old self, or old ideas or old ways of thinking, sometimes we don't move into new ways of thinking or understanding. So we reject something, yet we don't embrace a new something. And so the old adage, I want to be so different than my old self that I end up exactly the same. That's not what we want to do. We don't want to end up exactly like our old self. We want to construct a new self. So as we deconstruct old ideas or deconstruct even our old selves or our old philosophies that we used to embrace or our old habits or our old hangups, whatever it is, we need to learn to embrace a new idea or a new framework. So breaking down old habits and breaking down toxic behaviors, as we're talking about tonight, we need to, to, to construct and get on a new, on top of, um, I guess, a new framework, I could say. Grab onto it uh, is another way to say it. So this is our thinking space where we present new ideas, we present new thoughts. We are not experts in these fields by any means. And tonight we are making our best attempt to explain very practical ideas, practical thoughts and theologies to and philosophies to live by. So this is an eight-part series. Uh, if you missed last week on goal setting and how that affects our bodies, I want to encourage you to listen up and get caught up there. So number one was goal setting. That was part one. And tonight we're talking about habits and toxic behaviors. And next week we'll be um, just diving deep into self-image and the topic of beauty. For the fourth, four part or part four is fitness and nutrition. Part five is spiritual practice and meditation. Six is healthy relationships. Seven is mental health. 
and eight is an often neglected idea of rest. And we'll probably talk a little bit about sleep in there as well, sleep and rest. So I'm joined by Shreya Bonner and Jacob Flug. Thanks for joining me, both of you. And both of you have been along this journey uh, right next to each one of these topics that we've d d dove deep into. And so I'm excited about what both of you have to say tonight on habits and toxic behaviors. Tonight, Sharia is going to talk about the habit forming exercise and how we actually can form or a methodological approach to forming habits. And then Jake later on in the program is going to talk about the toxic behaviors that are hidden. We have some normal toxic behaviors that probably you're thinking of right now that, okay, if I only could quit drinking, smoking and taking drugs, then I would live a healthy, happy life. Well, which, yes, which probably. Would, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, probably. But those are the things that, you know, lots of information, lots of recovery, overeating groups, addiction groups of all kinds. Those are the toxic behaviors that many of us have had. Many of us have had to overcome certain things in our lives. And I honor the overcoming. Yet tonight, we're going to reserve this space for the things that are hidden, maybe some foundational ideas that cause the others, maybe some foundational issues that, that are the catalyst for the bigger addictions that we might have had in our life. So we're going to talk about toxic behaviors that are possibly just an undercurrent of maybe some other issues for us. So you can support us uh, financially if you want by going to Resonate life.org and going to the give tab you can give to us financially but more important how you can support us is by listening every week and interacting with us we want to make sure that we are answering your questions if you don't know the answer we want to go find out some answers we want to dig deep into helping others and loving others and practicing a worldview that's relevant and loving to you so if you have questions all through the week we watch the postings. People listen to this all throughout the following week. And so we watch for questions that are being asked through the week as well and respond to each and every one of those. So we want you to listen. We want you to interact. We want you to dive deep in the material yourself. These are just some introductory ideas. There's lots and lots of research on what we're especially talking about tonight. So you together, do, we'll you, get better. If you do we'll chat with together. Us, we yeah. will answer your questions as well. Oh, absolutely absolutely and through those questions we get to grow together learn together listen to one another um, and just be together in these times and beyond these times all right so let's talk about a little bit last week last week we were gonna i want to recap a little bit um last week was about goal setting and jake why don't you take a little bit about goal setting what did we learn there last week so i flipped through the show notes last week Yes, let me do the same. Um, I know what I talked about, about how sometimes we spiritualize goal setting to to be anti what God would want because we need mm. to be a, a participant, not the driver. And so it's always about God's call for my life or God's will for my life. Mm -hmm. I think that we just need to move forward and get and get things done and have a pray along the way and make sure that we're in that we're in good standing with God and then God's will would be 
good for us. The, what did uh, you say, Sheree, last week that God, the Holy Spirit acts in Works the, ahead of time. Yeah. Works ahead of time. The Holy Spirit does act in the pre-work. <laughs> so, yeah. The Holy Spirit can act planning. in calendaring and goal setting as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Totally. If, you're, if your relationship is right, then then your goals will be right as well. And that's that was my my section of that. We talked about smart goals. We talked about smarter goals. We talked mm-hmm. about ABC goals, the science of goal setting, Andrew Huberman's podcast. We pointed you to that. Mm-hmm. I'm in the show notes. Andrew Huberman does a great job in the science of and the brain, the neurobiology of goal setting. We talked about the psychology of goal setting and goals being associated with our psyche and how that operates. Um, personal development. Um, work just just all the work of goal setting and what that can do for us, how it's connected to success and be con- connected to spiritual success as well. And not yeah, not to just set it on productivity or success or like um, wealth advancement or anything, but just making ourselves right, making mm-hmm. ourselves to be open to change, to be open to grow. Um, this podcast is about reconstructing because. If we are all in deconstruction and we all are challenging with things and challenge ideas and that's the idea of liminality the idea that once we go through a doorway um, we go into a different frame of life and if we have nowhere to land to then we'll just be wandering and so goals can guide us along the way as well goals are like those open doors where it's when doors are closed it hurts when doors are open, it's joy, but it sure is hell in the hallway. And so goals, getting through the door, <laughs> getting through the door is like setting a goal and walking through the door. And uh, sometimes we have to spend some time in the hallway, but uh, but we can intentionally move through those doors that are open for us. Some of us spent a lot of time in the hallway. No, that's right. The Bible <laughs> talks. The Bible talks about the fivefold person: physical, our temple, our work is good works, social and relational, love your neighbor, children and spouse. Spiritual is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Mental, like what uh, some authors have said, the renewal of the mind in the Bible. So. So that's the fivefold person. So honestly, goals can be set for that fivefold person. You are not a singular entity of person. You have definitely different per- like personalities and um, I, I don't want to say categories, but uh, spaces in yourself that need to be developed and can be neglected. And oftentimes when they're neglected too much, we develop bad habits and toxic behaviors. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is overcoming some habits and developing good habits, positive habits, and doing away with toxic behaviors. We're going to define that here coming up. Where does hurts, habits, and hangups come from? That comes from Saddleback Church, some of the authors of the recovery series down um, with Rick Warren's church in Saddleback. Um, that came up with the hurts, habits, and hangups. That is some foundational ideas that springboard or platform the platform for addiction, for toxic behaviors, for um, some bad habits. And so, yeah, that's where that comes from: the hurts, the habits, and the hangups. 
But we're going to talk a lot about positive habits tonight too, because we uh, we definitely know our bad habits. Sometimes we don't know how we got there, but habits can just form sometimes on their own. We have to be careful though, that habits are not reflexes. Reflexes are different. Reflexes are something that you automatically do in your, in your life. So uh, reflexes can be more almost like biological or subconscious psychologically where we react because somebody's going to swing, like something is swung at us and we dodge out of the way. It's kind of like the fight or flight. You know, I'm, I'm just going to get out of the way of this. You're going to poke me in the eye. I'm going to shut my eye and cover my eye. So there's reflexes in our, in our um, automatic systems that we have in our life, more for protection, I guess, probably, or more for reactive, like emotional reaction. So I dodge something that's going to hurt and that scared me. So I do have an emotional reaction. That's a reflex. But but habits are much more many times uh, conscious versus unconscious. You can develop conscious ha unconscious habits, but many times they are conscious. And the challenge though with habits is uh, they can be beneficial and they can be harmful. There's two forms of habits. They can be developed intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, sometimes unintentionally good, sometimes unintentionally bad, sometimes intentionally good, sometimes intentionally bad. So there's different categories of habits that can develop. They can be harmful to us. So many times uh, for ourselves and our biology, our habits can affect and have long-term effects in our biology, in our health or metabolic disease or, or for males or, or females, that we have um, habits that form over a long period of time that then create long-term aging uh, diseases. So they can be harmful to us, but I would say not necessarily more important, but also important. Habits can be harmful to others. Our habits can be harmful to those around us that we're to love and care for. So psychologically, that's how that manifests many times. So you have a behavioral pattern. I have a behavioral pattern in my life, and I take that out as a habit on somebody else, and they are the recipient of that. And that sometimes is what Al-Anon is all about, where Al-Anon were the recipient of toxic other people's toxic behavior, which becomes toxic to ourselves as well. And there's a cycle that we get into with that. Go ahead, Jake. What's up? Um, can you can you maybe delineate habit versus addiction? Hmm. Well, addiction has biological, psychological definition around it. I would say a habit forms is a behavior tool, subconscious or conscious. It can also be a behavioral weapon, subconscious and conscious. But a habit is more of a behavioral pattern versus an addiction has some physiological definition around it. So for example, being addicted to methamphetamine, that has a psychological and physical connection where you really do need help um, overcoming. You need more than therapy, let's say, to overcome methamphetamine addiction. You need a doctor involved. Therapy is uh, great. You need, th and excuse me, 
I, I never want to downplay therapy because I've been to lots of it in my life. So therapy and a doctor to overcome uh, addiction. Let me be very clear about that. So does that give a little more definition? I don't have the wiki page definition of addiction yeah. over habit. I'm just trying to like, because we're dancing on the subject of, of addiction. Yeah. Versus... Well, I do a quick look up. What's our, what's our definition of habit versus Go addiction? Ahead, Trey. You, can, you yeah. can do a thought while I look it up. Okay. Um, something I was just wondering about is whether um, addiction would fall more under um, compulsive behavior, um, whereas habits are a bit more mm -hmm. intentional, usually. Could be. Yeah. Mm hmm yeah well again though habits can be unintentional they can be unintentional yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but i think there's there's less of a pull to do it yeah than there would mm -hmm. be with addiction you know that's what the right. compulsion part is right right well habits the thing with habits though is they make up what we mostly do with our day so <laughs> habits actually consume a large percentage of our daily activity so you know our habits of whether they not whether our work habits our play habits our um, exercise habits the habits that we have our eating habits they consume a lot of our our day so i usually sit down for lunch that's a half hour that I sit down for lunch and take a break for lunch. I exercise for a certain number, you know, four days a week, a certain number of hours a day. Um, I sometimes get in the bad habit of staying up too late at night and doom scrolling through my phone, which light then affects my sleep and affects my stress levels and such. Mm -hmm. So those are bad habits that I have. So habits consume a large portion of our of our day well so what's the definition jake of habits versus addiction give it to us i think it is it is definitely a, a struggle to, to delineate the both um yeah mm -hmm. uh i think most of what i've seen is severity of action that both okay. both are physiological both are psychological both are can be harmful but the severity of action is is what determines an addiction versus a habit both are habitual um mm -hmm. Someone said it was free will versus and choice versus not, but I mean, how you get into an addiction is sometimes, a lot of the times, can a, be. Yes. Well, I think there's still though a biological more severe. Let's use that word, the severity, it's, it's because severity. I think I want to learn to read my Bible every day. I'm addicted to crank. I think the two of those are completely on the severity but, scale, completely opposite of one another. So you one can be toxically addicted to Bible reading. <laughs> yes. Let's not promote that one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never actually heard somebody say that out loud. <laughs> I guess you could be addicted to book reading or consuming material, addicted to information. Um, or you can be addicted to finishing the 66 books of the Bible in a certain number of days over and over and over again. So I guess you could. You're right. Wow. All right. So there are two different types of habits, though. 
let's talk a little lighter on the less severity scale of life. Um, James Clear wrote a book called The Atomic Habits. And in his book, he describes there's a difference between outcome-based habits and identity-based habits. Outcome-based habits are the, are the habits that actually have a very quantifiable, qualifiable outcome. There's data that follows the, the, the habit. So for example, I want to develop a habit of exercising four days a week, right? That is a, that is a, a outcome-based habit, a goal-based habit. Um, I want to read my Bible. I want to pray every day. That's an outcome. Okay. I hit 75% of that this week, but then there's the identity habit. Uh, the identity habit is I want to learn to become something and you need to develop habits in order to become. You develop a series of outcome-based habits to form an identity habit. I want to become an expert woodworker. I want to be an expert cellist. I want to be an expert this or that. So we develop a habit of practice. We develop a habit of learning. We develop a habit of of performing. And so that is the identity habit. So in 2010, there was a person by the name of Lolly who published this study that do it, that how long does it take to develop a habit? And in Lolly's study, 18 to 254 days for a person to perform the same thing over and over and over again to achieve habitual behavior. So it really depends on the person. The, the magical number of 21 days is, is yeah, it's, it takes some people, yeah. yeah, it takes some people 21 days. It takes most of us more. And Cause so they're lollygagging. Because they're lollygagging by lolly study. So depending on how your brain neuroplasticity and and just how you are set up to learn, even your learning modality, your learning style, how you learn in life definitely could hinder or help the number of days it takes you to develop a Kevin, habit. Yeah. Can you say that range again? 18 days to 254. I think I would give up at 250. Yeah. Repetitions <laughs> or days? Repetitions, 254 days of doing the same habit every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's like... Quite a that's kind of a stress, a stretch. I'm that's gonna miserable. learn to run every, you know, I'm gonna run 10 miles a day. That's my goal. I'm gonna develop the habit of running 254 days in a row in order to, yeah, no way. Okay, so, so regardless of how long it takes us to develop a habit, I would say habits affect our body. Habits affect us longer term than 254 days in a positive or negative way. So Shreya is going to take positive, I hope, um, get in the more, yeah. we've talked about crank addiction, cocaine addiction, methamphetamines, and Bible reading so far. So, so Shreya, take the, the, the positive side of habit making, developing habits and how to do so. I want to learn how to do this well. All right. Yeah. So Kevin already mentioned um, Andrew Huberman's podcast, um, and that's largely what I'm drawing from today. Um, so according to Dr. Andrew Huberman, who is a neuroscientist 
and professor at Stanford, um, up to 70% of our behavior is habituated. We do it out of habit, um, whether that's consciously formed or unconsciously. So each one of us has successfully formed a lot of habits. There's good news, we can all do it. Um, from the way you make your coffee to the way you drive to work, um, habits free us up from having to think about every little thing we're doing because it's more automatic. Um, habits are learned because of brain neuroplasticity. So our brains can change and doing or thinking something repeatedly changes your brain. Um, it creates more neural pathways or new neural pathways and make certain additional changes more or less likely. So if we build neuropathways in the direction of healthy self-talk, we are more likely to also build new neural pathways towards other healthy choices and less likely to build neural pathways towards unhealthy choices because we've okay, already stopped that for pathway. a second. Stop for a second there. All right. So, so what you're saying, what I hear you saying is that when we develop a practice of positive self-talk, then mm -hmm. that translates into positive habits because it we have a positive self-image. Yeah. yeah. It makes it easier to form the healthier habits. Okay. All right. Just wanted to clear, clear be clear. So mm -hmm. it starts with positive self-talk to actually give you a foundation of self-worth. It could. That might be okay. a good route to All take. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, mental state also matters a lot in habit formation. Um, so being too alert slash anxious or being too calm slash tired um, are mental states that can thwart habit formation. So Huberman calls this limbic friction after the limbic system, which has to do mm. with our fight or flight response. Um, so if our limbic system is too activated or not activated enough, um, we're not in the right window to be able to form a new habit. So being aware of your mental state can help you to schedule habits you are trying to form into the times of your day when you're most likely to do them. So for example, I know that I am not likely to do anything that I don't want to do after 7.30 p.m. because my body tells me the day is almost over and I'm in my pajamas and it's time to chill. That's so, nice. <laughs> I'm an old person. Um, so if oh, I want to start a on. habit. Come on, positive self-talk there, Sharia. <laughs> so if I want to start a habit that isn't related to bedtime routines, I have to do it earlier in the day because I just won't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, habit strength um, is also an important thing when we're looking at building habits. Yes, Kevin. <laughs> I'll raise my hand this time instead of butting in. So basically what you're saying is that I need to know myself because if I mm -hmm. if I am a well I mean are we morning people are we night people I guess there's something to that a little bit but um I guess for a, for okay so let's take a I, I know my male body so I know that I'm gonna wake mm -hmm. up in the morning and I have a certain level of hormone in my body and mm -hmm. a balance of of hormone in my body that I'm gonna burn up through the day and yeah. just for simple scientific talk and and i know that if i exercise in the morning or early afternoon i'm gonna be much more successful 
than if I start my exercise routine at 7.30 at night. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. But yeah. so you're just knowing yourself. That's what you're advocating for. Yeah, and we're yeah. going to get it into um, the times of day a little bit more specifically in just a moment. Um, but yeah, a good a good place to start is just knowing your own self and your own body and what you are more likely or less likely to do. Okay. Um, habit strength also matters um, when we're forming habits. And there are two factors that can determine how strong a habit is. So the first one is how context dependent your habit is. So for example, when I'm traveling, my bedtime routine gets all confused and I can forget to do things because my toiletries are packed away in a bag rather than sitting on my counter in their usual place. That one is context dependent. It matters where I am. My morning coffee, however, um, is pretty context independent. I successfully accomplish this habit every day, regardless of where I am. <laughs> and we can talk about addictions later. Um, <laughs> you know, but that's a stronger habit for me than, say, flopping. Limbic friction is another thing that matters when it comes to habit strength. Um, and we just talked about this. Hey, about hey, not Greg, being... can, I, can I butt in for a second? I really want to hear yeah. what you're saying. And you got to reset your... Really? Okay. For me again. I'm sorry. I think we... Uh, okay. We reset soon. And then we'll come back How's to the limbic, the limbic. Much wonderful. better, yeah. Thank wonderful. you. It's better? That's so yes. weird. Yeah. Limbic friction also helps determine a habit strength. And we just talked about this um, being either too stressed or too calm or tired to accomplish the habit. Um, so once upon a time, Beth and I were housemates and we decided at the beginning of the school year that we were gonna get up and run before work. So for like two weeks, we did really great. We got up at 5.30 in the weeks. morning, we went for a run, we got ready for work. And then because it's Oregon, it started to rain and we didn't want to get out of bed and run in the cold, in the dark and the rain. So we're just laying in our beds, texting each other about how we're too tired to get up and go for a run. It was both context. You, but were you still awake? Uh, not for long. Okay. Okay. Keep going. I'm sorry. So Beth, so Beth is now Jake's wife. So Jake Flew's mm -hmm. wife is now Bethany Fluke, who used to be your roommate back in the day when... She wasn't yeah. married. Yeah. Okay. It was both context dependent. So the early morning rain was not a good context for us. Um, but there was also too much limbic friction. It was first thing in the morning and we did not want to get out of bed. So these are two factors, um, context dependence and limbic friction that mm. can tell you a habit's strength and how likely you are to maintain it as it is. Strong habits are the ones that are most likely to become automatic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. So now yeah. we're going to get into how to actually form a habit. Uh, one scientifically proven way is to start a to start a habit that sticks is to visualize every step of the process ahead of time, even just once. Um, you're more likely to do something if you know how you're going to do it. So if I want to build a regular practice of yoga, um, I can visualize when in my day I'm going to be doing yoga. And from that moment, visualize what clothes I'll need to put on. Grabbing my yoga mat, 
grabbing my laptop if I'm going to watch a guided practice, taking those things into the room where I'm going to practice in, laying them out, pulling up the video, doing the practice, putting my things away. And by going through that process, I've started to change my brain to make that habit more likely to be performed. Mm-hmm. So um, if I visualize reading scripture every day, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I'm more apt to read scripture every day. Yes. Okay. So, so I, I'm not saying that is to be funny, but just to right. simplify it for me, because you know, you negative self-talk. I'm a dummy. <laughs> so if I visualize myself, what sitting in a chair with the Bible, yeah. reading, Maybe you make your praying, coffee in your favorite mug, and it's sitting there and beautiful next to your beautiful Bible. So my leather-bound onion skin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you visualize yourself running, does that make you want to run or not run to run? It definitely mm. makes me not want to run. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, because I could say visualizing the pain of running doesn't make me want to run. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. Mm. Okay. Nope. Okay. Maybe so they, I visualize first. Yeah. Visualize mm -hmm. your mindfulness techniques. I can yep. visualize. Okay. Um, so we talked about time of day a little bit. Um, that's not necessarily as important for maintaining a habit as your mental, emotional, and physical state are. Um, so it's less about doing yoga at 3 p.m. every day and more about if your daily routine is more or less the same each day, you'll generally feel the same way around 3 p.m. each day. And if that's when you have the right amount of limbic friction to do yoga, then 3 p.m.-ish is when the habit of yoga is most likely to form. So I do Michael Hyatt's program, which you can look at Michael Hyatt's full focus mm -hmm. journal program online. I do his program. It's a great program. Done, I've done the whole series all through his books. I've adopted it fully in my life. I love it. And in the beginning, he, he has you write out your perfect week. And what I notice is I always put things in the wrong place at the mm. wrong time. Because by the time I get to these times, I don't want to do anything by you yeah. know, 3.30. I'm just yeah. done by 3.30. So I thought, I'm going to do this at 3.30 when I want to take a nap at 3.30. So yeah. so yeah, I just noticed when you make your perfect day and visualize your perfect day, and then you start practicing that doesn't work. We need to visualize a different perfect week or different yeah. perfect day. Yeah. Do you include a siesta? In my perfect See, day, other, I think so. Other cultures do, and for a reason, right? For a yes. reason, yeah. Yeah. Because they're out till two a.m. Well, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. that is true. Okay, so talking about timing. Um, Huberman suggests viewing the day in three phases. So from zero to about eight hours after waking up, this is phase one, and your brain and your body are more oriented towards focus and action. So we're more likely to overcome limbic friction to certain habits during this phase. So that means the hardest to form habits are the ones we want to do during this time, within the first eight hours of waking up. Um, being rigid I'm gonna, about I'm gonna, what I'm going to butt in on you and you can uh, okay. reset, your, reset your audio. And I'm going to say, Again? Um, uh, one thing I like about Huberman 
is that every day he takes a nap with his bulldog. And so, Kevin, I think the oh, uh, that's the life. The siesta might have might have a really good uh, ploy. You know, Lisa Marie Presley died today. Oh, wow! I saw that. That's yeah. dark. Or maybe it was not today, but it was announced today. Yeah. Well, it's not. I mean, it's, she was fifty-four years old. I was like, wow. Yeah, Priscilla Presley and Elvis's daughter. Yeah, singer-songwriter mm -hmm. person. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Priscilla still alive then? I'd have to look that up. I know Lisa Marie. She. I think was... so. Priscilla's still alive. Yeah. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Fifty-four years old. I'm fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And she was ahead, the everything. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. All right. Form and habits. So it's less phase about one zero to eight. Time. Yep. More about more about the phase of the day. Um, so planning ahead. You know, maybe today I can um, work out at 10 a.m., but tomorrow I know my day's a little different and I'll have to do 11 a.m. instead. Mm -hmm. Still in that first eight hours. Um, phase two is from about 9 to 14 to 15 hours after waking. And during this phase, our system sh starts to shift more towards relaxation and rest. Um, so this is the best time for habits with lower amounts of limbic friction to overcome. So that could either be well-established habits. Uh, maybe you've been working out for years and it's an easy habit for you to do. So it's fine as an afternoon activity. Um, it's also a great time for habits of a calmer nature like meditation or journaling. Mm-hmm. And then finally, phase three. Phase three is 16 to 24 hours after waking up. Um, and it's mostly about sleep. Good sleep keeps your hormones and brain chemistry consistent so that phases one and two can stay consistent and you are able to form the habits in them. So any habits done in phase three should be about supporting your brain and body to sleep well. Mm -hmm. Wow, Sharia. I learned a lot there. Good sleep is Do you good. want to get into the reward system too? <laughs> well, I think yeah. I think let's uh, let's save the reward system because we have to move on and get to yeah. Jake's material as well. But that that's really interesting. How uh, well I can tell you that as I grow older, I I just sound so old when I say that. As I grow but older into my as rocking I chair. grow older in my I, I walked in the morning chair. and Kevin is just sitting in his rocking chair rocking. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm, I was the other day. You were. <laughs> yes, you're just sitting there rocking. I'm like, what are you doing? Oh, wow. Rocking. Wow. So as I grow older, what I've noticed, and I listen to a lot of anti-aging stuff and experts and and things and Long, and david david longevity david, not, not, longevity, not yeah not anti longevity so um oh uh alita uh, yep yeah, um uh, peter alita um david sinclair some of those well they are anti-aging experts um or aging experts and longevity experts and those phases shift so as we grow older we have to be very conscious of what is helpful and hurtful uh, to our bodies with our habits or even the phases of our day. So, you know, we can actually do quite, you know, extensive damage on our body if we exercise at night, you know, when we're set up to sleep. 
you know, I mean, exercising late at night, I don't care what, you know, the 24 hour um, gyms say, uh, exercising at night, late at night is really can be toxic to your sleep Unless, habits. And yeah, Unless and, that's all you can do. And then, well, yeah, but then you're flip flopped. So, you know, yeah. your, your phases are in just different, um, yeah, quadrants of the day. Not helping. Yeah. Well, let's, let's save that reward system. Sharia, can I say one, can I hang on to, to that one thing? Yeah, 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 totally. Hey, Chris Covert. You can call me Jake Davis all you want. I can, I can figure that out. Um, <laughs> there's, I can't remember if he remember actually had in his podcast tonight, but How to Change by Kath, Kathy Milkman or Katie Milkman. Mm. Um, we are much more likely to stick with a new habit. And this is why resolutions are such a big thing is that we're much more likely to start with a new habit if we either begin at the beginning of the year, beginning of the month, or a Monday. Hmm. It's just really interesting that that we are geared toward these new starts all the time. Mm -hmm. We always have a new start, new moon, we're going for it. But if if we can pinpoint to a new day, and we and honestly, we need a reward system as well in order to make this happen. I think we're talking about it too. Um, which we'll get to later, I'm sure. But the the idea that that we need a we need a fresh start, either you know even a a, lo a location move, you leave out a different door in the morning, you change something in your routine, so that you you know you can feel that you have started. Hmm. Hmm. But it's it's Katie Milkman, how to change. So let's make a hard right shift to toxic behaviors. So that was all really good information about habits. But then we have these, let's say, bombs in our life of toxic behaviors that tear down our good habits. Yeah. You know, I mean, it took us 254 days to develop the damn thing. So now we're going to get one day to break it. Yeah, one day to break it <laughs> with our toxic behaviors. So um, I w let's switch over to that, that yeah. our behaviors become a threat to our habits. And our behaviors sometimes are ingrained. They can come from childhood traumas or they can come from just all kinds of traumas in our life even adult and sometimes they sabotage the things that we're building especially intentionally behavioral patterns so the psychological tendencies that we have let's call them tendencies and not disorders so the psychological tendencies because disorders are different and uh, uh, we want to talk about toxic psychological tendencies that pull us or away even even dispositions yeah dispositions or tendencies that we we experience it pulls us off of our goals it pulls us off of our habits and eventually can affect us psychologically long term physiologically long term physically spiritually long term it affects us so throw up that chart or that diagram uh rob our tech expert that's behind the scenes so if you look at this diagram this is produced by wholehearted the school of counseling called wholehearted and it just gives us one emotion of anger might be and the foundation of our anger might be all of these things so if you think about all of these and brene brown in her book um the atlas of the heart breaks down just you know, a hundred emotions or 80 some odd emotions that she uses to break down all the emotions that we experience. Sometimes we experience them in, 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 you know, abundance. 
the negative emotions, as the Dalai Lama would call them, the negative emotions. They're emotions in our life that can manifest themselves in anger. They can also, though, manifest themselves in behavior. So this is a, a chart that says, my anger comes from all of these things. But where does my overeating come from? Where does my bad habit or toxic behavior of, of criticism or sarcasm, where does that come from when I'm abusive, emotionally abusive or, or uh, verbally abusive or I overreact on a consistent basis? Uh, where does that come from? So, so if you look at that chart, all that chart is explaining is our toxic behaviors come from somewhere and they come from mostly i would say a lot of times unresolved conflicts in our life whether it be subconscious conscious they come from unresolved issues maybe things that we haven't processed through with a therapist or counselor rob you can take that chart off now um things that are unresolved in our life maybe some forgiveness issues that we've held on to the lack of forgiveness um Desmond Tutu would say that forgiveness has more to do with ourselves than the other person when we forgive another person even without spoken words we're actually releasing ourselves from a prison he would say a prison so think about unforgiveness as a prison that you're locked up inside of your heart well, if you're in prison, just self-locked up in a prison because you have a lack of forgiveness, there's moments that you will express poor choices. Um, you will express sometimes accidentally poor choices, sometimes intentionally poor choices. You'll make mistakes, of course. Um, you'll make mistakes that you don't want to make because you're not self-aware or other aware because of the rage of emotion that is inside of us. Uh, you might accidentally or intentionally choose a wrong path in life. These are the things that sabotage our, our good habits. So Sheree tells us all these great things about visualizing, you know, running every day or visualizing uh, accomplishing something, whatever that habit is, visualizing good eating, visualizing healthy meals, whatever it is that you want to make a habit of, you visualize that, you put it in practice, you spend, like we just said, 254 days practicing it, but then you accidentally, intentionally, unintentionally, uh, we have a toxic behavior because we have so much unresolved subconscious issues that we're reacting off of. So some of the typical things that we talk about again are like drug and alcohol abuse, overeating, addiction in general, drug addiction in general and such. Um, and we develop an abusive toxicity or an addiction, addictive um, uh, disposition towards these products or towards these substances. And most recovery circles that I've been engaged with and talked to is there's always underlying subconscious or conscious type yeah. unresolved hurts habits and hangups. It's a self-medicated. Um, yeah, and so you have this self-medicated toxic behavior. But there are also things that are not, that I believe are attackers of positive habits that we don't talk about that keep us from changing, that keep us from moving forward. Now, change is scary no matter who you are because you're putting to rest something old and embracing something new. Um, well, I guess it depends on how big the change is, whether or not sometimes you're just ready to let old dogs lie and, and move forward. But if you're not ready to let old dogs lie and move forward, what are you, what are you releasing? And 
sometimes change can feel like the betrayal of self. So your mom, dad, grandpas, aunts, cousins, you know, whoever taught you a certain way of life. My granddad taught me this way of life. My dad, my mom, my grandma taught me this way of life. And when you change and move out of that way of life, it's like a betrayal of what you were taught. And that can go as simple as my grandfather was a meat and potatoes eater every night. He ate beef and chicken and, you know, all kinds of meat and some kind of starch, huge meals, beautiful meals every night. Well, that was a habit. Solid. Yes. Oh, he was overweight and definitely had challenges that way. Uh, that was a habit. And so, so when I went and started and went basically vegan, um, it felt like a betrayal of like my old self of my grandma and grandpa and what they put on the table when I was being raised and stuff. So it was, it was an interesting process to go to. So it can feel like a betrayal that can go to what you believe like spiritually or philosophically or politically. When you enter into a new space of thinking, it's like a betrayal of your old self. And sometimes that keeps us from changing. So your family and what they view of exercise, good eating, good habits, sometimes that's that familial magnet. Sometimes we have a hard time breaking free from. Jake, go ahead. There's a scene in Waterboy that <laughs> he's sitting yes. in, his, in his class and his uh, and Colonel Sanders is is teaching him right, and <laughs> they talk. Why is the alligator a crocodile? I'm, I'm I don't know the difference. I'm sorry. Uh, why is it so aggressive? And and he responds that it's because God gave him so many teeth and his teeth hurt. But that the, that the guy says it's because of his medulla oblongata, and so <laughs> the, it's the breaking of the old rhythm into the new that changes. Right. Very right. I'm sorry. You're funny. That's funny. So there's another TED talk I want to make mention before we get into your material, Jake. And uh, Shankar Vedantam. Shankar Vedantam. Um, TED.com, their 2022, the best videos. So his video talks about the illusion of continuity, the illusion of continuity. And the illusion of continuity, we actually believe sometimes that things and ourselves will remain the same. And so you could just prove that right now. Just think about your 18-year-old your self and think about yourself now, right? Some things you felt, you know, yeah, life was better then. Um, some things are life was way worse then. Uh, but you evolved, you grew, you absorbed new information, you learned, you became wiser, you, you know, grabbed onto different kinds of mentors in your life that mm -hmm. taught you whatever it was, you became something new. But when we get to a certain age, let's say my age, we begin to have an illusion of continuity yeah. that my 70 year old self is going to be the same as my 50 year old self. <laughs> and so he, he, it's a, it's a wonderful video because there are toxic, toxic consequences of trying to remain the same mm -hmm. and never changing and not developing new habits. Oh, and wow. so just like, 
just like our bodies are continually renewing themselves. So we have a new body, you know, ever, ever so many days, our entire seven. body. What? I think it's seven years. Days. Seven years. No, 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 not that fast. I, I would have to look that up. But but uh, our body renews itself every so many days. So we have a total renewal replacement of our of ourselves. Well, the same is true when it comes to our psyche, our biases, our philosophical persuasions, our political persuasions. Those things change over time. And to have an illusion, he says something really funny that uh, the next time you're arguing with somebody that disagrees with you, you need to be careful because they might represent your future self. <laughs> so, so, so that's just, it's a point to prove here that change is difficult because sometimes, especially the older we get, because sometimes it feels like a betrayal of self that when we change, we have to like lay something down, something that I believe so strongly in. I just held that conviction and we lay that down. Well, how does that apply to habit forming? Well, I think that when we have, when we have current bad practices that we think we are okay and we think that we're just fine, well, our 70-year-old self, we have to gear ourselves up for our 70-year-old self. So he talks a lot about visualizing what your future self might look like, Sharia. That's what you were talking about. Visualize what that looks like and what kind of habits you want to, are willing to jump into and jump over that line. So he says you need to accept that you are going to be ongoingly different and spend time crafting that future. So stay curious. If we make statements with confidence, like, I believe this, this is the truth, then we need to remember that the people we disagree with might be our future selves. So he says, stay humble with the things that you are so convicted on. And then we will be stronger and wiser in the future. And if I feel like I don't have the capacity today to do something, then that doesn't mean I won't have the capacity in the future. So be brave. So he says, stay curious stay humble and be brave. And I think that this is a philosophy of life that we can implement that could actually possibly gear ourselves up to creating new habits for lasting change, new habits to break toxic behaviors because we don't want toxic behaviors um, to set us up for ultimate demise. So Shankar Vedantam the TED.com video of 2022. He's the podcaster of the hidden brain. Yes. All right. So Jake, talk about these, uh, <clears throat> talk about these toxic behaviors that are kind of a downer hidden. at the end. I know just a downer, but you know what? There's hope here. Give is us there? some hope. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, to go back to the whole, like how fast is the body generated itself? Cause that was interesting. Okay. Uh, the skin and gut from one week to one month. And then the entire body every seven years including bone marrow which is the slowest high five sharia sharia good job including bone marrow but <laughs> yes but skin and gut like you have new skin often yeah you're like a giant snake walking around <laughs> so <clears throat> anyways so toxic behaviors that are sometimes underlying we do talk about them um, but they're not put into a kind of a vis-a-vis -vis, in the face of relationship with with habits that you're trying to form. 
And the three ideas are, and I'll just list them out and then we can talk about them more. Objectifying yourself and others, distraction and stress. And stress trumps everything. Mm. They have objectifying yourself and others, um, minimizing your emotions, both yours and I guess other people's. But I think and oftentimes we, we get into the idea that our emotions are unimportant and so we don't make space for them until they get too big and they expand too great and push everyone out. And so like uh, new habits can be broken easily because our emotional tendencies to not feel whatever. Um, not feel we, worth it, not feel not, like you're yeah. able to, yeah, yeah. We talked about uh, imposter syndrome versus low self-esteem lately as well. Um, imposter syndrome is, is not, not a syndrome. A, it's <laughs> not a syndrome and it's, it's pop psychology. So you can call it that if I just know that it's not totally legit yet. Well, it's a psychological tendency. That's what it it's actually is. Yeah. It's a, it's a disposition. It's, yeah. And okay. it's, it's the idea that, that you're not good at something and you actually believe that you're not good at something, but people see that good work is coming from you and you attribute it to other people or other or luck or, or just luck yeah. just luck of the just luck of the draw that i, I, I was given this. the time yeah i put versus, in the time yeah versus low self-esteem which is just you feel bad about yourself and what you produce sucks too um and then you have the idea of narcissism that i'm going to play it off like i'm not good at this but really i actually believe i'm really good at this and everyone should respect me but I'm going to, to play get it off more like, attention. That's to, to get more to get, attention. To yeah. get more attention, I'm just going to play it off like I'm not. I'm not a viable candidate for this position, this whatever. But I'm going to make people say I am, so it strokes my ego, right? That's that's the difference between um, the 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 common like the common cultural understanding of imposter syndrome is basically I don't feel worthy of this, but that's mm -hmm. not. That's not what imposter syndrome is. But all of those things are objectifying yourself and others. Either that's low self-esteem, imposter, or narcissism. You're actually objectifying yourself and others. Narcissism is objectifying others because you are you are inherently better than they are at everything that you do. And so that is going to get in the way of change. Some things I, I, I've been reading a book lately and watching this movie, um, The Boy... Mm -hmm the mole the mm. fox, and the horse wow, uh there's beautiful. a new there's a new uh, video of it on on apple tv and so if you don't want to read the the kids book just dig in and just watch the watch the uh the video but the a couple of the biggest takeaways is what do i want to be when i grow up and all he responds with is happy or what what would it be like if what what could we be able to do if we had less fear? And and then also you have at the the end the the horse that um, actually can fly. I'm sorry if I ruined that for people, but he he <laughs> flies because he he doesn't fly because he it made other horses uncomfortable or jealous, and so he always held himself back. And so at that point you're objectifying yourself, you're objectifying others because. 
honestly, it's like they may not have that perspective of you and they do want you to fly and they do want to succeed, but I'm going to think that I have, that I need to sit myself underneath them so I don't make them feel uncomfortable, that my emotions and myself cannot take up too much of the room. Um, the basis of this is to love God and love others by loving yourself. And so the three greatest commands in the Bible, love yourself, love God, love others, and all are, all are equal. And so if we, if we move away from objectifying and move into love and a love position, you want to go now? You can talk now. Go ahead. Well, I just was going to interject to what you're saying there is whether you believe in God or not, like a good practice is to believe what you were created to be. And so believing what you were created to be is human. You're created to be a human being that lives and operates with other human beings in a relationship. So we were created to be human in relationship with others. Whether you believe that was just, you know, caused by nothingness or that was caused by God, um, I think everyone on the planet just has such a difficult time, which is believing in what they were created to be. Yeah. Trey, do you have anything you want to say? I do. Go Um, ahead. I have two things. One, um, just to tie together um, the TED talk Kevin was talking about and the illusion of continuity. Um, And then again, what you're talking about with objectifying others, I think it's important to remember that other people change too. They don't stay the same over the course of their lifetimes. And it is objectifying when we just assume that others are going to be the same forever too. Yes, exactly. And I, and one of the biggest points in the TED Talk, if you go to it, is um, Shantar's talk, TED Talk. TED Talk. You talk, yeah. You talk about yeah. he talks about marriage, and that marriage is not a promise of that today. It is a promise that two strangers, from yourself and for your partner, are going to stay in matrimony for, for until death do them part. It's it's a it is a uh, a promise of strangers. It's a promise of faith and trust, and it's not a fun promise that you yourself are making that day, but but forevermore. If that makes sense. Yeah, you're actually promising your future self. Yeah, you're promising yeah. that your future self that you have no idea how they're going to think, feel, act, anything is going right. to still still hold the same emotions and same truth. Yeah. Okay. Um, so objectifying, we need to overcome our objectification of ourselves and others. Yeah. And a lot of that, and I, I would go back to Descartes as well. The idea that I think therefore I am, hmm. um, there is a part of that that's oftentimes missing at the beginning. And it's, I doubt, therefore I think, Therefore, I am. And so if you're not willing to step into the courage of change and the courage of seeing yourself for who you are, the doubt there, that you cannot fully think yourself into a better understanding. Of self. Of self, yes. Yeah. And a lot of that does come from to forgiving. And so we did talk about the book of forgiving earlier. 
Desmond Tutu and Umfa Tutu, his daughter. We talked about Alice of the Heart earlier too. Yeah, Brene Brown, good books. Yeah. Um, we talked about distraction and hiding. I'm kind of running along. I'm sorry. Hiding yourself um, and your problems. Distractions can be healthy. I think that we talk about distractions always as a negative, but distraction is healthy as long as there's boundaries put around it and you have controlled distraction that doesn't go into unhealthy behaviors, be it in other addictions, but that's where that's where your distractions get unhealthy is when they tiptoe into addictions, which are very hard to break. Um, yeah, but what, why are you distracting yourself? And asking yourself that question, are you hiding from your problems? Are you hiding from others? Are you hiding from even your own thoughts, your own self? What are you hiding from? That's what I think about. I think about workaholism. You know, the foundation yeah. of workaholism starts with a sense of distraction. So I'm running towards something mm -hmm. to get away from something. Yeah. And the, the whole idea is that someone on their deathbed never says, I wish I had worked more. Some people do. <laughs> they're, they're jerks. <laughs> Or maybe they're dying broke and they never worked a day in their life. <laughs> but doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. Okay, now I'll just just quickly there, uh, and now I want to move on to stress. That stress, and then also the the hormone cortisol, um, is stress. And stress, we need stress to survive. We need our limbic system to survive. We need stress that's activated. It. We need cortisol. We need it all so that we can we can change and grow and. And habits are not formed without stress. But ignoring stress, the lack of stress management, um, ignoring the causes, that is when you go into the unhealthy dark side of stress where we're all carrying around stress and how we deal with it changes from person to person. But just knowing your triggers, knowing where you go to during stress, um, is that are you distracting yourself? And that's what you're distracting yourself from. Just talked about that. Um, stress can drive you to more toxic stress and more toxic behaviors. For men, um, stress is held in the omentum, right? Mm, that's right. And so you can always tell a stressed out person by where they're carrying their weight at. That um, our, this is a lot of science and I'm going to blotch it a bit, but it's going to be okay. Our fat cells inside of our bodies that we're carrying around re release its own cortisol when we go under stress. It's a part of survival. It's a part of that if, if there's war or if there's famine, that we'll be okay. We'll, we're saving up for the wintertime in our momentum. But you can, you can see it on, on men especially. I'm not sure where right now where women carry stress at. But... Stress builds more stress. Our cells, if they're stressed, will build more stress. And if not through proper management of it. And the, the long-term effects of it is, is illness, fatigue, depression. Our whole bodies, if not in balance, if, if they're pushing too far to stress, we will get sick. We are an unhealthy organism and unhealthy organisms die. I have a monstera next to me 
it's stressed out because my son dumped milk into it over and over again. It's an unhealthy, <laughs> stressful organism, and it's going to die. I'm trying to nurse it back to life, but it's it's about dead. So stress, we do need it. Distraction, we do need it. But when they cross over into into addiction, into the bad side of habit, into the um, uncontrollable state, then then it becomes different. Um, some ways to manage this. I talked about forgiveness earlier. Knowing your trauma, knowing your story, understanding your trauma trigger points, where where things are touched that erupt emotion inside of you like none other. That is that is what you need to dig into, and that's through counseling, through reading, through having an open posture of change and learning. Um, Huberman talks about the parasympathetic sigh. You breathe in as deep as you can, breathe in again, and then you release it slowly. And so you can you can physically slow your heart rate down. Mm-hmm. Um, have you ever had a cramp in your side while running? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's not because of lack of air. That's because your liver is releasing cortisol. Mm-hmm. And so if you do the parasympathetic, parasympathetic sigh while you're running, that your side cramp will go away. So I have a little interjection here because the omentum, the omentum always gets a bad rap. It it is a bad rap. It's a bad rap. So the omentum is a fat sheet that is covering your intestines and liver it's protecting it's the policeman of your abdomen so it's protecting your organs underneath right and there's some immunological benefits and such and hormones like cortisol such uh, but it does release hormone um in a imbalanced way that's related to obesity so it it can get out of control um but that is really like the release of cortisol over a long period of time, stressed out males. Let's just call them for men for this, a minute. This is I, what I know. I, yeah. This is what I know. Stressed out males, when they get older and older and older, you know, they get a distended stomach. They lose muscle mass. They begin to, you know, over a long period of time. Uh, they, because of stress and that creates habitual problems like overeating or eating poorly, eating too much salt, eating too much sugar, eating too much, um, bad fats and such, even like, even such things like, uh, eating just too much fat in general, um, eating too much sugar in general, but creates obesity, uh, issues, but also creates diabetes, um, high blood pressure and poor cholesterol or too high a cholesterol ldl cholesterol so and hdl drops too low so uh that's called metabolic disease when you have you know lipids are through the roof at 300 diabetes and blood pressure is out of control there you got the three markers of metabolic disease that eventually you die um, from it so you know these organs and our fat and the way that our body works and the usage of fat and the um, consumption of fat and sugar and stuff, they're necessary for life, yet, and we don't want to give it all a bad rap, yet 
um, over time. everything. Yeah, over time, uh, it definitely can create a series of challenges that we die from. So the only input I have, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm just uh, saying the momentum gets a bad rap. I don't want to diss yeah, on does, the momentum it, all the time. But it's, it is it is a bad rap. Um, <laughs> yeah. It will kill you. Uh, the You can get it removed. Study, you can. There mm -hmm. is a, a study released recently about, about trauma and weight loss. And studying people, I forget exactly where it's come from. I'll post it somewhere that you are more likely to gain everything back and more if your childhood trauma is not dealt with oh. than if it is. I can, I can so, attest to that with experience, yeah. So your, <laughs> if you do not have your, your mental, emotional life whole, uh, we talk um, synchronized to your even physical life, no matter mm -hmm. what position you're in, physically you will never make the physical gains that you want to and if you do make them for a short period of time you're going to rebound real hard because mm. we are trauma-based people sometimes we can be so i've heard visualizing positive thoughts to change my mind about self dealing with emotional and psychological trauma of adult life, child life. So sometimes that inner child in us just feels beat to crap in our life. Yeah. And, and it just needs to get a hug every once in a while. So let's talk about that hug of the inner self. Sheree, I want you to end us on a few rewards because rewards will make habits stick better. I'm going to say that in that way. It'll make it stick better. After my 254 days and all of my psychological trauma and my my undealt with childhood challenges, you want a cheeseburger. I need a reward. What are they? Give me that okay. reward cycle. Yeah, it's, it's not quite as cheery I, as I'm going to have to stop again, Shrey. I'm sorry. Got to reset, reset your sound. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're, fine. you're all good. You sat there too long without, without yep. speaking. Yep. I talked too long. Not quite as cheery as maybe you want, but I'll, I'll bring it back. Um, okay. So Huberman talks about rewards um, and about um, what he calls reward prediction error. Mm. So, if we get a reward that we expect to get, that's really nice. We get a dopamine release, um, and that even happens before the reward. So the anticipation builds, um, gives us dopamine release, and that helps us to feel good about what we're doing. If we get a reward that we don't expect, that's even better. Um, it's a bigger mm. hit of dopamine. The tricky thing there is that if we're trying to form new habits, it's really tough to surprise yourself into a reward you didn't expect. That's just what it is. Um, if we expect a reward and we don't get it, this is the prediction error. Um, that drops our dopamine level down below our baseline. We feel worse and we are less likely to maintain the habit. How sad. Um, what's, what I thought was interesting, so 
this research is also supported by um, Alfie Cohn in his book, Punished by Rewards. Cohn is a researcher in the field of education. Um, punished? And his, punished by Rewards. Okay. All right. Wow. Yeah, no, it's a great book. Um, <laughs> but basically, rewards can be effective in the short term of getting behavior to change, um, but they undermine intrinsic motivation in the long term. So a reward might get you to start a thing, but rewards will not keep you doing the thing. Um, you'll keep hoping for that external reward rather than developing internal motivation. Um, and because of that reward prediction error, if you expect a reward and you don't get it, your dopamine plummets and you won't stick with the habit. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I'm going to come back to the visualization. I think mindfulness is really useful here. Um, mm. Maybe we don't enjoy working out, but once we've done it, we feel really good. Mm -hmm. And when we're aware of that and we notice how good we feel, that is rewarding. And we still get that hit of dopamine. And then it's the habit itself that is the reward. Um, and we're not really leaning on this external goodie to keep us going. Um, anticipating that good feeling when we visualize this habit, uh, maybe the night before, can help us overcome that limbic friction um, of starting our new habit because we know we're going to feel better after we do it. So the idea of dog treats don't work with humans. Correct. For maybe for right. Maybe in the short term, but then it's <sighs> going to be about the treat and not about the behavior. Yeah. So the yeah. Uh, so you can um, predict how well a student will do in school mm -hmm. in kindergarten mm -hmm. by saying, "Do you want five pieces of chocolate now?" Or do you want 10 pieces of chocolate after class Later. is done? Yep. And if they choose the 10, they will statistically, it's like three times as well as a kid who, who chooses all the chocolate. Oh, half the chocolate now. But that kind of breaks what Sharia was saying, right? Well, like In the short term. Ish, it, it's, it's not the immediate you know, reward. It's a media reward system where oh I see we don't go through the long term change we just reward ourselves and then move forward. Got it. Because Got I'm it. I'm will I'm willing to sell myself short and take half the chocolate, which I would have. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what I also heard you say though is statistically, or maybe not statistically, scientifically, it's proven that if I don't know the reward, then I'm apt to be charged to finish or charged to develop the habit if I don't know the word. Statistically, that plays out better scientifically? Like best case scenario is you don't know you're going to get a reward and you do. Yeah, like, oh, you, like yeah. you hold my reward cards and I finish something and Shreya says, yay, Kevin, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That's okay. That's the best option, but it, it's really hard to sustain. Yeah. Right. Right. In, in the book, How to Change, she does address um, reward-based systems and how and how they they backfire easily. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Shreya is saying is that is that rewards can 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 really bite you in the butt eventually when when they they don't meet your dopamine expectation. Yeah. 
Mm. And so um, that's this is for habitual change. I don't think this is for progress goals. I think those are different mm. than right, right. goals. Yeah. I think I think uh, progress goals are definitely geared towards reward-based systems, but habitual change needs to be more intrinsically motivated. Mm-hmm. Trained, right. trained yeah. in our body. That's that 254 days, like trained <laughs> in my life, yeah. cleaning up the undercurrent that's pulling like a magnet, me back to my bad habit. I'm trying to create yeah. new habits. You, so that takes should, a long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. You, sh- you should have the, the inner drive to do that or it won't hold. Yeah. yeah, this is why this is why cheat days don't work. Cheat days don't work. Cheat if days want, don't if work. You, if you yeah. want to eat healthy, you have to eat. Healthy. You have to eat healthy. Just yeah, grab the dark leafy greens and buckle buckle it down and do it right. And get some gas X because it's gonna be a rough <laughs> ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks With for the fast. great discussion tonight. Mm-hmm. I really have learned some things and excited to implement uh, phase one, two, and three, especially. Uh, Sheree, do you have any closing thoughts for us? I do. Can I read us a poem as a benediction? Please, if you, yes. If you, reset if you change your audio. Your audio. For, <laughs> if I reset my audio again. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking about this poem um, as Jake was talking about... Um, objectifying others and yourself um Wonderful. this is called our deepest fear our deepest fear by marianne williamson mm. our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure it is our light not our darkness that most frightens us mm. we ask ourselves who am i to be brilliant gorgeous talented fabulous actually who are you not to be you are a child of god Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel secure around you. Mm. We are all meant to shine, as children do. Mm. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Wow. I'm just going to end on that. Thanks, Jake and Shreya, for joining (laughs) and participating and developing uh, the thoughts tonight. Good night, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. And uh, you can interact with us all through the week if you want to. No one wanted to tell me what their habit was they wanted to develop this year. They were all too afraid of the last section. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, comment on that later, and we will comment back. Uh, let's make this an iterative discussion uh, all week if we want, and uh, share your habits with us. Share your be bravely Stop vulnerable habits. habits that you want to develop. Let's let's keep the other habits. You can share those personally offline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, habits that you want to share that you want to develop um, or break down and uh, <clears throat> share with those offline if you want. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Be blessed and good night, everybody. Thanks for joining us.